Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Agnes London podcast. I'm your host Sophie and this week I'm chatting to founder of Nibs Etc, Chloe. Nibs Etc aims to fight food waste by providing delicious and nourishing snacks like their granola. We're chatting about Chloe's experience of setting up a food business, her tips reducing food waste and how her business has been affected by the pandemic. I hope you enjoy this episode and it inspires you to look at your food differently. Hey Chloe, thank you so much for agreeing to come on my podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honour to be featured. I feel like we've met quite a few times in the past, but it's always been like at an event. So it's going to be really nice to chat to you and hear a little bit more about your story and your background. Yeah, ditto, ditto. You are the founder of Nibs Etc. Would you like to start off by telling us a little bit about what that is and how you got started? Yeah, so Nibs Etc, we make delicious and nourishing snacks from ingredients that normally get thrown away to uh, reduce food waste. Our first product is a granola made from juice pulp. So we've been working with local juice producers, suppliers to collect their sort of what would be quote unquote waste Um, juice pulp and upcycle it into a snack that is both obviously full of fiber because that's what pulp really is so it's quite nutritious but also prevents all this food from going to food and and the resources that go into producing the the produce in the first place the fruits and vegetables that get juiced um, from being wasted uh, within the food supply chain Mm, yeah I used to be a massive juice fan until I started to get like more interested in sustainability and now I'm always like oh I should go for a smoothie instead and I don't want to waste (laughs) yeah I don't want to waste the uh the pulp and the there's so much goodness that's not going into the juice yeah I see the value in the juice sometimes for sure especially Mm. on these sort of really hot spring summer days but in terms of sort of nutritional value you get a whole lot more out of a smoothie and then obviously the waste factor it's I find it really interesting that um, people are really blind to it until I think there are people at Biomarket, for example, have often told me that, you know, I used to juice and then I actually saw what I was throwing away and, and then stopped quite quickly <laughs> and sold my juicer consequently. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you if you don't see it, you just you just don't realize. And, and this kind of the concept of upcycling pulp began, uh, I think a seed was planted sort of seven, eight years ago when I was at uni in the States and came across uh, a pulp muffin for the first time ever. And I thought that was quite cool. And then obviously many years later, I was back in London and, and met a, um, a juicer at uh, a street market and street food market in London. And um, we sort of became friends and I was uh, then working for that market. And I just thought I would experiment with the pulp because it was just ending up in the bin and it was beautifully colorful and vibrant. And obviously was all the fiber of this beautiful produce that she was juicing. And she thought I was mad at first, but I had sort of started the blog, Nibs, etc. And I thought it would be fun to, fun content for it really, and to show show what you can do with it and hopefully inspire people to think differently about waste. And I, I guess for me, that's why I started with pulp as a as a, a byproduct to upcycle, because I think it, it perfectly sort of illustrates what I'm trying to do, or what we're trying to do in terms of redefining the concept of what waste really is. Mm. Yeah, I think with juicing in particular, like if you're not making it at home, you're just buying it out. It's a bit of like out of sight, out of mind. And in yeah, some respects, you're like, oh, I'm having a nice healthy juice. That's that's like one box already ticked, isn't it? Yeah. You think how much exactly. harm can that be doing? Yeah. So no, where totally. did that interest in food waste come from? Was it from seeing all the pulp that was going to waste? Yeah, uh, it's a good question. And 
honestly, in retrospect, hindsight is a wonderful thing, as they say, but <laughs> I really think it there were a lot of seeds planted along the way. So to try and cut a bit of a, a long 28 years story short. <laughs> so I, my parents would always say things like, you know, don't buy what you don't need and, and finish what's on your plate. And mm-hmm. and we moved to Asia uh, when I was 14, which aside from being a phenomenally eye-opening experience living in China, it was also my first encounter with sort of this nouveau riche, as it were, and the way that they express wealth and it's through abundance, abundance of everything and abundance of food. I remember we were sort of on holiday somewhere and there were just these plates piled so high with so much food just because they could and just because they could show it off and obviously that resulted in a lot of waste. I then I then moved to the States for uni and I remember being sat in a diner for the first time with my family. So I was being like dropped off for college and um, the four of us ordered our food, it arrived and we probably could have shared one plate of food and still had leftovers. Mm. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was shocking, it was so shocking. And then, I, and then so I was at school in the, on the East Coast and then lived and worked on the West Coast in San Francisco. And, you know, that was, again, a totally different way of, of living and a different relationship with food in that, you know, I, I the girls I was living with, I moved in and our, um, our compost was in the freezer and everyone chopped from local farmers markets and people were much more aware of food and where it was coming from. I then moved back to Europe because I didn't have a visa to stay and I was sort of exploring the food scene back in Europe and I went woofing. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of (laughs) WOOFing. It's a funny acronym. It stands for Worldwide Opportunities on Organic Farms. It's an amazing way to travel and learn. And basically you go work on the farm of your choice in exchange for a room and board and uh, and I did that in Italy and I think the Italians are absolutely sort of brilliant when it comes to making the most of what you've got and upcycling and not wasting and so when I came back from that I was really sort of re-inspired and was sort of cooking a lot during that whole time I, I was home from things that were in the fridge and the pantry that had been there for years or you know, from our leftovers, because I was too lazy to go buy things from the shop because we were like a 20 minute walk away. Um, so all these things combined and like being frugal, obviously out of college, just meant that I was cooking in a way that was was sort of, was about upcycling and, and creating these sort of zero waste recipes. And that's when I started the blog, Nibs, etc. And then I moved back to London and befriended a juicer and sort of slowly kind of took the blog offline as it were through like events and people wanting to align themselves with what we were doing for their various sort of projects and things. And uh, that allowed us to grow. Mm. Sorry, that that was quite a long story. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You've really experienced all the corners of the globe and <laughs> the different like relationships with food there, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I feel very lucky to to have done so. I feel really grateful for that. And, and it's true, uh, I think different relationships with food across, you know, there's obviously a whole sort of conversation to be had around travel and sustainability. But I, I think travel is so important so that we can learn from other mm. people's relationships with their surroundings their communities food because you know obviously everyone is different and and there are good things and bad things but I think we can in experiencing them but I feel like I learn sort of much faster about what is what is good and, and what I can apply in my own life and there's nothing quite like being sort of hands-on in in uh sort of knee deep in pasta dough chatting to like a, a 90 year old nonna <laughs> and uh, watching them make all these wonderful upcycle dishes <laughs> yeah that's amazing and getting connected to where it comes from and how it's made which so many of us yeah, exactly. have such a disconnection to yeah exactly wow that's so cool um <laughs> So you've done all of that and you're back in <laughs> in London and you've befriended a juicer. How did the product side of things come about? So 
So yeah, I moved back like four and a half years ago. And as I was exploring the food scene, I was working for a sustainable fashion company at the time and, and was sort of trying to get my foot in the door in all that was going on in, in the food world. And I was sort of started to pitch nibs, etc. as as a product, as an event caterer, as all these things, just to see what would happen and, and where it would go. And people started to approach me as well. And, and so I, the first few sort of things that I did were uh, catering events. So mm. I developed various recipes using juice pulp, um, using, you know, day old pastries and bread and all these things. And then had the opportunity to do some pop-ups on Red Church Street in Shoreditch sort of every month, which was really cool. And that's when I first started really selling. And I did that alongside some pop-ups at, at Maltby Street Market too, uh, in partnership with the juicer. And Juice Pulp just, it summarized so clearly what I was trying to do. And also no one was doing it. And it had all these sort of, it did, does have health benefits and, and food waste fighting benefits. And so I just sort of settled in on Juice pulp as the mm. ingredient that I wanted to celebrate and I was doing cakes as well as sort of brownies and banana bread as well as crackers and granola made from pulp but over the past couple of years I think each year I've sort of honed in on a little bit more what I want out of it and how I can develop this as a a scalable and sustainable business and by sustainable I mean obviously financially but also mentally and physically for myself and and for the mission that I'm trying to um, accomplish so yeah so for for a year I was doing all of those products and then the following year I kind of whittled it down a little bit more and then over the past year it's 2019 I lose track of time <laughs> 2019 I really focused on granola because the, a there was a lot of demand for it mm-hmm. and which was which was exciting and b it was also much more scalable than the crackers I loved the crackers and so so many people still come to me today and ask the crackers, but I just can't. They're just they're difficult to make at the moment. What well, how I was making them, they were not scalable mm. and really labor intensive. So I'll come back to those hopefully in the next year or so. But yeah, so granola became the focus, and we started trading at Bar Market just over two years ago. So kind of all of these things are sort of fall into place and come about quite organically, and and meant that you know our focus is now granola celebrating juice pulp creating a a packaging as well that is as sustainable as as our product and getting that to market so i'm presuming that when you started like you were probably just starting on quite a small scale you know in your kitchen what were the challenges of starting up and creating a food product to sell good question (laughs) there were a lot so yeah so I did start at home and I guess some of the sort of initial obvious more achievable more quickly achievable challenges were sort of you know the the paperwork that needed to be done and the sort of legal work they needed to make sure you were covered with various bits of insurance so there was all the administrative side which was sort of new for me and something I had to learn sort of on the go and then figuring out sort of how to package things and I think the the challenge was very much doing all of these things at once you know as a single founder one-man team compartmentalizing my mind and my weeks to, to make sure I could I could do the packaging and sort out the supply and collect the pulp and store that you know um safely and then and then sell it at bar sell it at events and 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 sell and generally sell the brand and and continue to market it as well as stay on top of of finances so all those things were were challenges in themselves but to be honest I think one of the biggest challenges was my own sort of mental challenge and and I I feel like a lot probably every founder experiences this but you get in your own head and you plant every seed of doubt imaginable and and um realistically every challenge is is solvable yeah. i think but it's it's really whether or not you choose to to try and solve it mm. <laughs> if that makes sense so um working alone for a long time was was 
was the challenge really. Over the past year, I, I had a small team and I, I've been working at a WeWorks because I won some funding and support from them over the past couple of years. So that's been amazing and definitely helped kind of with the morale mm. uh, as well as learning from all these people around me. Suddenly I wasn't alone. But I think also being within the the industry, the food industry, I find very generous. I find in the sense that people are really open and happy to share yeah. most of the most part, which is amazing. So I try to be a bit like a, a sponge and just soak up everything I could, go to every event, listen to sort of every webinar or, or you know, that kind of thing, which was fascinating. And and obviously another big challenge, which I forgot to mention, was <laughs> is the challenge that pulp is a new ingredient. People don't understand it. So there's a lot of education around what I was and what I'm trying to do and and being patient with that and figuring out the right terminology and the right sort of way to communicate that to to people was a big challenge and and still is but at Mm. least now I think there's a much bigger conversation happening around waste and sustainability yeah yeah I imagine when you started four years or so ago a lot of people would have been focused around the health benefits side of it but until more people got interested in the sustainable side and I feel like that's something that's maybe only happened over the last two to three years that people are really interested in sustainability and really starting to change their shopping habits to align with that yeah yeah no I I definitely agree it's it's really exciting time and and even now you know during this pandemic you know people are cooking more people are, are seeing what they throw away more because they're at home more and mm-hmm. I, I'm sure this conversation has been had many times but people's relationship with food is definitely definitely changed and I really hope for the better I know this has obviously brought to light a lot of much bigger problems but hopefully with that will come some interesting solutions and I think it's never been a more important time to understand our resources within us and around us and how to make the most of them and how to make our resources go further yeah Yeah, definitely. I mean, food waste at the end of the day is just money that you're throwing away. And obviously, all of us want to make our paycheck go as far as we possibly can. Exactly. Exactly. I also think people, well, some people, obviously not, not all people, everyone's experiencing this time very differently. But I'm sure most people have more time to enjoy their meals and whereas they may have been, you know, drinking a smoothie on the way to work for their breakfast or having a quick bowl of cereal at their desk. I'm sure people that have don't have that commute time in their day anymore have probably got more time to sit down and actually enjoy their meals. Yeah, exactly. I think it's amazing how much time we don't realise we lose in commuting. (laughs) Um, And a lot of that gets taken away from sort of the things that are almost most important, like, you know, eating, sitting to eat or eating with your family or whoever you live with and uh, or even alone, but just sitting to sort of appreciate what you've cooked and the food in front of you. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, So what is the most rewarding part or like the most rewarding part so far in running this business for you? That is a nice question. (laughs) I would say when, yeah, I'd say the most, one of the most rewarding things is when people, I remember the first event I vacated and I created among other things, you know, a little juice pulp sort of slider a small burger and beetroot pop brownies and oh yeah a few other things but when people ate those things and then came up to me and said oh what's in it and I sort of explained and and they were kind of blown away all they thought was in it and said I never knew I could eat this and now Mm. now I do and I think those small sort of light bulb moments in our customers sort of bellies minds taste buds whatever I think that's I think that's pretty pretty amazing and really exciting because it means like you know things can change and people can become aware and people can learn and Mm. and we can we can eat better and yeah what do you think's the most surprising thing that we can actually eat but we throw away banana peels yeah i didn't know (laughs) you could eat banana peels (laughs) 
And I have learned this through all of the many Instagram lives and stories that have taken place in the last couple of months. <laughs> through first, it was Nadia Hussein from Bake Off who did a little story of, of making like a banana peel. How would you call it? It's like it looks like sort of barbecued banana peel, effectively mixed with sort of brown sauce and ketchup and and caramelized and and put into a bun with some slaw, that kind of thing. Looked so good. Wow. And then recently I was speaking to Sophie, the founder of Alicia, on, on one of our Instagram lives. And, and she said she's made chutney with it, which also sounds delicious. Mm. So that's been the coolest thing I've learned. Yeah, I what used to think? work with someone that told me that he put banana peels in his smoothies, just chopped the head and the bottom off of the banana. Mm-hmm. And I did try it, but you can definitely tell that it's in there. Has <laughs> it got like a waxy kind of flavour? I don't even know um, how. I don't know, like... You know when you've got a really ripe banana and you eat, not a really ripe banana, sorry, an unripe banana and you eat uh, like yeah. too much of the the kind of peeling bit at the side? Yeah. yeah. It tastes like that, basically. Mm, not pleasant. It's, it's not pleasant. But if it's in a smoothie, you can put other stuff in to kind of mask the taste, true. can't you? <laughs> yeah, true. But it's so interesting. I had no idea you could eat that. Yeah, that must be one of the biggest things that we throw away, banana peels. Yeah, I um, I saw a crazy stat once. This is probably not a good quote to use because I can't actually remember what the stat said but it basically <laughs> basically indicated that if every person in London you know put a banana peel into a compost bin rather than landfill you'd be able to power some crazy number of x million number of phones or something mm. which is um which is insane yeah that is insane do you think living in London has helped your perspective on it as well because obviously it's slightly harder when you're living in a city to compost and to discard your food waste yeah so I, something I've learned about myself is that I, I um, and my family is that I definitely have sort of hoarding tendencies, <laughs> um, which probably in part plays to sort of why I've gone sort of this food waste fighting route or discovered that I'm really passionate about it, I think. But the reason I bring this up is just that I find it really hard to throw things away. And especially when it's really difficult to, you know, sort out plastic because plastic has, this can be recycled and everything else can't. And, and it's really unclear. And I don't tower hamlets where, you know, food isn't composted. And so it's, I find it really difficult to dispose of things. Mm-hmm. And I think if you live in most rural areas, there are better, probably more clearer ways or places that you can go to, to throw things away. Like where my parents live in Switzerland, it's you know, you bring all your rubbish to um, a déchetterie. I don't actually know the English word, but where they sort of sort out all your rubbish and it's much clearer. And and here I, I wouldn't even know where to start to go to bring, you know, things that you can't recycle or can't put in your general bin or can't put in your food waste bin. And so, yeah, I find that I find that a bit frustrating living in a city. The sort of waste management is very unclear. Mm. But I think it's also, it's also a really interesting place to, you have so many different people thrust into the same space. And everyone has sort of very different approaches to it. So while it's frustrating, it's also a chance to really kind of try and inspire and educate and learn from a whole host of, of different people in terms of their relationship with food and waste. Mm. And all of us have had different experiences of it growing up as well and have different perspectives on food waste. Mm. Yeah, definitely. So you've narrowed it down to the granola. 
and selling the granola and you sell that in regularly in borough market don't you yeah so yeah so we, we started trading at borough like i said a, a two just over two years ago and have been selling it there ever since first one day a week then two days then three days then pandemic happened so now one day <laughs> uh, and actually there's a small caveat because of this pandemic we actually don't have any more juice pulp and I have been out of it for a few weeks now months even so I actually created a juice pulp quote-unquote juice pulpless granola some might call that normal I don't know <laughs> just in order for us to survive as a business but also because there was so much demand for it coming through borough market online and at the market itself that it's sort of I've written a whole blog post about this in case in case you or anyone is curious as to really the why's and what's behind it but it's been sort of interesting and frustrating to not have the pulp that I had access to before because obviously they've you mm. know the juice bars are closed so I'm working on a different supply so the silver lining is that you know I always should have been diversifying our pulp supply and, and now I have to so <laughs> yeah that's been a challenge but also a chance to to grow from that yeah sorry yeah that was your question was no my question yes. my question was gonna be how has coronavirus <laughs> and the pandemic affected the business <laughs> well I am glad you asked <laughs> so tell us a little bit more about this emergency one what are you using now yeah so it's actually exactly the same recipe just without the juice pulp which I thought I was gonna have to do a lot more tweaking to the recipe but actually I just removed it and left it much the same I took out the sultanas because I didn't think it needed any extra sweetness and actually it's created a really delicious granola I have to say it's really yummy it's got this like nice sort of buttery nutty aroma um like when it bakes it smells like pastries which is like one of my favorite things ever which I think is a great thing but <laughs> yeah so we've kind of I've maintained sort of the the signature clusters I think our granola is known for and the you know the, the not too sweet taste which I think we're also known for and I guess I, I was debating whether you know it's worth even continuing to trade when we don't have pulp because obviously that directly reduces food waste and is our mission but if we don't have pulp to upcycle then we're just making a granola and there are plenty of, of really good granola brands mm. out there and we're not just a granola brand and I, I don't want us to be or to compete in that that market alone so I sort of went back and forth on it quite a lot and ultimately sort of realized that actually people still want granola so we can keep producing it and that will enable the business to stay afloat just <laughs> hopefully fingers crossed through this period and hopefully be able to come out the other side stronger uh, and with these better relationships with a diverse sort of supply a pulp, pulp group of pulp suppliers and sort of put us in in a better position after the fact or as we start to come out of this it's also meant that I can keep working on the company and developing you know our, our Instagram live our IGTV and mm -hmm. creating more recipes which I've been putting off since I couldn't you know since before <laughs> I started the business um I've always loved the idea of you know recording recipes and and you know Nigella's like a hero of mine but uh <laughs> um, but never sort of gotten around to it and now you know we're forced to be at home so I'm around my kitchen all the time and it's just it's been really fun to explore that as a sort of content creation but also a way to connect with our online community a bit more and do these things that I'd always wanted to so so that's why we went that's why I decided to continue with this emergency mix and it's an emergency because it's an emergency for the business and it's an emergency for everyone sort of yeah. living through this day to day and that's kind of why I coined coined the term but <laughs> um, but who knows maybe it'll become a permanent fixture because people really like it that's which is good. sort of controversial but yeah <laughs> is there anything else you could use other than juice pulp or like what other kind of aspects of the food waste industry do you think that you like have your eye on that you would want to tackle 
Yeah, good question. Though quite a lot, one part of the industry is the alternative milks industry because they obviously produce a lot of nut waste. So I think that that would be a really interesting sort of ingredient to play with. So yeah, that's that's one for sure. There's actually quite a lot of nut and grain waste I think in the production of oils as well. And mm. so those are sort of a couple of big areas I'd like to explore. But there are also some other products that I want to develop or bring back, like I mentioned the crackers earlier, made from juice pulp. So I'm hoping we can expand that range too. Yeah, I absolutely love using up pulp from making my own milks. Like I think I prefer that to the milk that it makes. Really? <laughs> what do you make with them? So I've actually just put a video on Instagram, shameless plug. Oh, <laughs> but so last time, so for the video, I made hemp milk, cashew milk, oat milk, and almond milk. So obviously a lot more milks than I needed in one go, but I was filming the video and I chucked most of them in a flapjack. And mm, then right. earlier this year, I was in Stockholm and I had this really yummy pasta that had almond through it you mean in the dough or in the sauce no in the sauce it just had like crumbly almond in the sauce and it was really good so i've literally just been chucking the pulp in like pasta or um with my cashew pulp quite often i'll make like cheese sauces and things like that as well nice Um, i bet you could also put that in sort of curries or or dals or yeah yeah exactly yeah nice yeah that's super creative Um, but it's amazing how people don't actually realize that they can eat that it's I have seen a bunch of people, various businesses and, and people post on Instagram, you know, oh, we've seen a lot of people are asking what to do with the leftover pulp from making your own milks. And I honestly can't understand where that question even comes from, because <laughs> nuts are so expensive in the first place. Why would you even consider throwing I them know. away? Like surely it was your first instinct to use them. Exactly. And it's the same as juice as well. Like you yeah. are extracting, you're actually extracting so little of the nut because by the time you've added all the water that you're literally just throwing away all that extra kind of fiber and fats and protein that is so good for you yeah but actually for every i think it's for every it's a 240 milliliter bottle of juice you throw away two kilos of fruits and vegetables which is mad wow yeah that's that's crazy Mm -hmm. yeah yeah juice has definitely had a big like moment a few years ago i feel like less people do juice cleanses nowadays than uh maybe celery juice had a bit of a thing last year (laughs) (laughs) it's true and i'm not hating on on juice at all i really do i do like it it's so refreshing and and it tastes delicious but i think we just have to be aware that there are two sides of this juicing story only one of which has been told now it's time to celebrate the pulp story Mm -hmm. yeah yeah enjoy it all exactly so what does the future hold and this may be kind of uh, what you thought it was pre-pandemic and maybe what it holds now (laughs) well this is something I have been thinking on quite a lot recently (laughs) I guess pre-pandemic the mission this year was you know by March we would have been outsourcing our production we have an amazing new packaging lined up which I'm really proud of and it's taken a really long time to sort of finalize it's made from grass um which I think is is really wow. fun because it's also a grass pulp and here we are making a product from juice pulp. And so we clearly like the pulp company. <laughs> Maybe that should be our name. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, yeah, so we had we have new packaging lined up and, uh, and the mission really this year was to just sell, sell, sell because we would finally have had the stock to sell mm. and sort of supply all the all this orders and, and demand that has been coming in over the past year and a half. And um, that was really exciting. But obviously I'm still making it myself because 
we didn't have the pulp to send to the to the co-manufacturer to use and I guess now I'm sort of debating whether or not we get a, a big batch of our emergency mix made so it frees up sort of some of my manufacturing and packaging time so that I can focus on really growing the business and and there is demand for it so mm-hmm. our supply has always been one of our of our biggest challenges since the start so that's sort of what I'm debating but obviously as I mentioned earlier it's, it's I'm slightly conflicted over that because it, it doesn't directly reduce waste it enables us to indirectly support the mission and work towards it but directly it's it not quite what I would want so I'm, I'm also looking at other supplies for these other ingredients that I mentioned that an industry byproducts that will still need to be upcycled that you know it's not that there's less waste it's just that it's people's priorities have changed companies are trying to stay afloat and so mm. it's not really the time to to strike up a conversation and say hey can we uh, can we talk about your byproduct please yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll take that for a coffee <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you know so i i don't know i was hoping by the end of the year we'd be in whole foods and and have built up our online subscription service to something big and wonderful but and i think that we can still work on but supply is our is our big challenge at the moment so going back to your earlier question about the challenge and i think supply yeah. Is, is a big, big challenge for us in getting that consistent, it, which would then enable us to to make sort of more permanent and scalable change in in the food waste space. So uh, I I truthfully wish I could tell you what the future will look like, but at the moment <laughs> we're taking it one week at a time. Uh, the good thing is is that we're still here and yeah. um, still working on and as passionate as ever about our mission. So mm-hmm. I guess watch this space. <laughs> yeah. I feel like in some respects we have very different businesses, but in some respects we have very similar businesses. And a lot of the things you just said, I'm like, yeah, that, that's me this year. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to outsource my production as well, but because of this, it's still just me making it. Um, yeah. And that's really tough. I think mm-hmm. mentally and physically that's also really tough to I mean, it's really wonderful to be so close to your product and mm-hmm. your business, but it's also really limiting in so many ways. And, yeah. and you know, at the end of the day, we need these to be scalable and sustainable businesses exactly. for ourselves as much as the planet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, completely. Um, yeah, and I think there is a lot to be said for surviving this time, you know, as a small business. Yeah. Do you find under normal circumstances that companies are pretty open to you approaching them about using their byproducts? Yeah, people have been really interested in it I mean obviously we've only we've only focused on on juice manufacturers at the moment but people have been really in the past really interested in hearing our story and and uh and engaging with it and being really excited by it and I think that's amazing um mm. and that excites me as well because I mean sort of the possibilities of of scaling this and and you know having a bigger platform a joint platform to talk about this this sort of circular mm-hmm. story that we're creating here is is um could be really powerful now um there have definitely been some this sounds great but you know we need to touch base in a couple of months or yeah. when this is over and who knows when this will be over so I don't even know what that means yeah exactly <laughs> so uh yeah it's a challenge mm. so I feel like I can't let this podcast episode pass without asking you what people can do at home to reduce their food waste that is a great question <laughs> <laughs> and uh lots of things so I would say, first of all, create or find a container or bag that you can either leave in the fridge or in the freezer if it's for a more long-term use. Create a place where you put all of your veg peels, parmesan rinds, uh, tomato vines to make a stock. And it's really, it's really simple. And I think it's been talked about a lot, but I think it's a really great way to get you know, the most out of your ingredients when you when you think about it, you know, you take the skin off an onion anyway, you cut the end off a celery anyway, because it's sort of, you know, it's more fibrey and, mm-hmm. and you 
some people peel their vegetables i personally don't but some people do and that's all going them in anyway but you might as well extract the flavor that is very present in all the peels to make a stock so that's one thing i would highly recommend the next thing is uh fall in love with your freezer <laughs> um make space and and use it because you know every time you make something you can put something in there for you know down the road when you don't have time or you're tired or you haven't had a chance to go to the shop or they're out what you need and, and things last a long time in the freezer and you can freeze more things than you think you can freeze eggs if you crack them put them into like a tupperware mm. you can freeze milk um you can freeze herbs either as is or um, a lot of people talk about chopping them and mixing them with oil and putting them in an ice cube tray. Oil doesn't freeze so well, so I like to sort of freeze them as they are. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, herbs freeze. And obviously when you buy them, they come in these massive bags that you use maybe half of and then forget about the rest. Mm. So yeah, definitely love your freezer. What else can you freeze? People do Bread, freeze bread. Mm-hmm. Uh, at first though, I recommend. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you can freeze cakes with or without icing. So yeah, I think freezer is key. I really wish that our freezers and fridges were designed so that the freezer was the size of the fridge and the fridge was the size of the freezer that is what I wish (laughs) (laughs) never throw away bread bread is something we throw away so much of I think it's something crazy like the country throws away 24 million slices of bread Mm, a day is it is insane I mean it's incomprehensible but you really never need to throw it away there's always something you can do with it in fact the Italians are like you know, I hail the Italians for so many reasons in food, but this is one of them. They upcycle it in so many different ways. You can make a, a panzanella salad. I did that on Bar Markets, Instagram Live, and you can make cake with breadcrumbs. You can turn it into breadcrumbs and, and bread things or mix it into um, into salads or to coat meat or vegetables or, or um, you know, add crunch and things. Um, you can make bread and butter puddings. You can, you really can do so much with it. So I, I really, I really wish that people <laughs> don't throw your bread, basically. <laughs> be creative with it. And I, yeah, I guess that's the other thing is just to, to be creative. And you can, you don't have to make a big batch of things. People talk about batch cooking and I definitely see the value in it. Yeah. And I, that's something else you can do is make a big batch of something, freeze it or eat it throughout the week. But I think a lot of people I have discovered, I'm not one of those people, but a lot of people don't like eating the same thing every day. Mm. I could. I could eat bolognese, my mom's bolognese, every day, <laughs> twice a day for a week. But you can turn it into other things. So I did a, a ratatouille recipe recently and, um, you know, I had it as ratatouille. I had it as shakshuka with um, baked some eggs into it. I blitzed it up into a soup. You can have it hot or cold. You can mix it with sort of new ingredients um, like capers and gherkins and turn it into like a, a caponata. So I, I think that's a really fun thing to do. And especially because we've got a bit more time to cook i think mm. it's not the challenge of turning it into something new yeah yeah I I, hope some useful tips. <laughs> yeah there were some really useful tips i never really had to worry about food waste until i moved out of my parents house because we always had a dog so. nice yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was never really an issue <laughs> yeah nice i've heard dogs are good for that <laughs> yeah they definitely are so at the end of each podcast episode i ask every guest what they've seen or read recently that's left them feeling positive and uplifted so we end on a high note oh we've been sharing some sort of fun fact friday slash silver linings on our instagram actually and there have been a few that have been like sort of the reappearance of animals in sort of unexpected places and i think that's amazing but actually the most recent thing i've read which has really made me smile and excited about the future is that a social enterprise in the states just uh released an official definition of upcycling Mm. you know we talk about it and 
and it's sort of oh it sounds cool but we don't really know what it is and and um whereas now I think this definition which is basically the use of I'm going to butcher it but <laughs> more or less talks about sort of the use of ingredients that would otherwise be thrown away for human com- consumption therefore reducing the amount of wasted resources that have gone into producing that I think that is going to be a huge step forward in companies such as ours because there isn't really a category for what we're doing and so mm-hmm. I think find that is a really big moment in for businesses but also for customers and and for sort of the food industry as a whole to sort of see it as its own segment and treat it with respect and as an ingredient and not waste so that that got me really excited mm, <laughs> in a good cool. kind of way <laughs> yeah that's really cool I throw the word upcycling around a lot and people yeah, are too. like what on earth is she on about exactly <laughs> like no defined now it's a real thing <laughs> yeah I think sometimes when you think of upcycling you think of like some old chair you found by the side of the road and you've just like re- repainted it or something like that <laughs> yeah no what but I think it's so important because it isn't recycling you know recycling mm. is breaking down into sort of separate parts that then you know don't necessarily get used whereas I think upcycling is you know adding things to something to make it something new and better and different um and then constantly you know you can that's almost infinite yeah. Um, and obviously it goes into what we talked about in sort of a circular model but yeah. yeah it's really exciting to think of all the companies out there that have this waste byproduct that they don't realize is going to be a really valuable ingredient and I hope that you can work with lots of them in the future <laughs> me too <laughs> <laughs> me too so where can people find you how can they find out more about you if someone's got a byproduct that they uh, want you to use up how can people get, in touch, get in touch if you do <laughs> um you can email me uh, at chloe at nibs you can find us on the website there's a contact form there and uh, our blog and our online shop so that's www.nibsetc.com we're also on instagram twitter and facebook but instagram we're most active mm-hmm. and that's nibs etc and obviously at borough market we're there every saturday at the moment it is open <laughs> and we can deliver across the country either through our own website or, or through borough market online within a seven, seven mile radius uh, within london so come and say hello either virtually or in person if you can <laughs> amazing thank you so much and good luck with the future oh thank you sophie it's been such a pleasure to chat thanks for having me Thank you so much for listening. I hope you got a lot out of the episode. If you did, I'd be so grateful if you go ahead and leave me a review and make sure you subscribe to my podcast as I'm uploading a new episode every week at the moment with a really inspiring and insightful guest. If you'd like to know more about Agnes London, you can follow me on Instagram at Agnes London or check out my website www.agneslondon.com. Thank you so much. See you next week.